Welcome to Holistic History, The Fall of Celtic Britain. I am Jim Frost, and this is Episode 9, our final episode. Last time, we covered the famous battle poem The Godothin, and the reigns of the Anglo-Saxon Bretfaldos Athelbert of Kent and Redwald of East Anglia, and the British monarchs Murig and Cadwallon. It might be beneficial at this point to outline what territory the Britons still held in the mid-7th century. Their lands had become split into three parts geographically, Devon and Cornwall in the southwest, Wales in the centre-west, Reged and Strathclyde in the northwest. Reged consisted of Cumbria and at least part of Galloway, so it straddled what is now the border between northwestern England and southwestern Scotland. Strathclyde stretched from Reged's northern border at least as far north as Dunbarton, which was the capital. It is highly unlikely that the central government still existed, but it is just barely possible that it survived in some form, although if so, it would have exerted authority only over Wales. In an earlier episode, we argued that Wessex originated as a British province that became an Anglo-Saxon kingdom. By the early 7th century, this process was certainly complete, but some kings still had names that reflected the native British origin of the dynasty. Kenwheel ruled from the 640s to 672. His name means bold Welshman, while Caedwalla ruled in the 680s. This is the same name as Cadwallon, the monarch of the Britons, whose reign we covered last episode. Cadwallon was based in Gwynedd in northern Wales. At the time of his death, his son, Cadwallader, was only an infant. This triggered a civil war. Cadwallader's loyal retainers were defeated, and a man named Cadfal came to the throne. Since Gwynedd dominated northern Wales, then if the central government did still exist, then whoever ruled that province also ruled the central government. Very little is known of Cadfal. His name means Battle Caesar, indicating that it was a throne name taken as a constant reminder that he was a successful war leader who had seized the throne through battle. This happened in 634. Bardic tradition says that he was the son of a commoner, so he must have risen to prominence through his abilities and ambition. What little that is known of Cadfal's reign is seen only through the lens of Anglo-Saxon politics, with Cadfal continuing his predecessor's policy of alliance with Penda of Mercia. After Oswald killed Cadwallon in ambush, he was able to restore the Anglo-Saxon kingdom of Northumbria. The English historian Bede included Oswald on his list of Bretfaldas, or high kings of the Anglo-Saxons, but Bede was Northumbrian. Penda of Mercia was the real Bretfalda, but Bede left the Mercian Bretfaldas out because of the rivalry between the two kingdoms. The political situation was unstable, and even a Bretfalda was not secure. Penda's own brother, Ioa, detached northern Mercia from his brother's kingdom and allied with Oswald of Northumbria. Cadfal participated in this war as Penda's ally, commanding the warriors of Gwynedd and Powys at Penda's victory at the Battle of Maserfield in 642. Ioa was killed outright, while Oswald was captured and dismembered while still alive. His body parts were hung from a tree, causing the name of the place to be changed to Oswestry, that is, Oswald's tree. Northumbria was again divided into two, with Dira going to Oswine, a prince of their royal family, while Oswy succeeded his brother Oswald as ruler of Bernicia. Oswine submitted to Oswy, which theoretically restored Northumbria, even though part of it was ruled by a sub-king. A sub-king was not the same thing as a vassal king. A vassal continued to rule with autonomy, but was required to pay an annual tribute and lead his warriors in the conflicts of his overlord. Sub-kings had less autonomy, and were curtailed by decrees and laws of their overlords. 
how much or how little power they had varied from one example to another. Whatever the extent of the relationship in this case, Oswy was not satisfied with the nature of Oswine's subservience and killed him in battle in 651. Oswy then installed his nephew, Athelwald, as the new sub-king. Despite the family connection, Athelwald rebelled and quickly allied with Penda of Mercia. The Bretfolda again marched north with Cadfell and his Welsh as part of the army. But this time Penda lost and was killed. Cadfell is known to have fled with his warriors before the decisive battle. This led to Cadfell, the battle Caesar, being given the nickname of Battle Shirker. Cadfell disappears from the accounts at this point. He was not well liked, and his abandonment of an ally, even an Anglo-Saxon ally, seems to have been the last straw. His successor was Cadwallader the Blessed. He was the son of the great warrior Cadwallon, and had lost the throne to Cadfell when he was only a child. Cadwallader was heralded as a liberator who would drive the Anglo-Saxons from the land just as his father had recovered most of the north, even if that recovery was only brief. Cadwallader did try to fulfill these expectations, but instead of going north as his father had done, he marched south against Wessex, trying to restore the land link with Dumnonia, that is, Devon and Cornwall. He was defeated somewhere in Somerset in 658. After this, Cadwallader shifted his emphasis to domestic policy. He was remembered as a good, just, and pious ruler, and was widely regarded as a saint, although he was never actually canonized. The histories state that he died of the plague. There were actually two plagues in Britain around this time, the first in 663-64, the second in 682. It is generally believed that he died in the second. Later tradition turned Cadwallader into a kind of messianic figure. Geoffrey of Monmouth, who wrote in the 12th century, said Cadwallader abdicated because of a prophecy that his sacrifice would lead to the ultimate victory of the Welsh over the English. He said the king died on pilgrimage to Rome. Geoffrey clearly confused Cadwallader with Caedwalla, the king of Wessex with the Welsh name. It was Caedwalla who died on pilgrimage to Rome. Geoffrey's version was well known in medieval England, especially the prophecy. So well known that during the Wars of the Roses in the 15th century, both the Yorkist king Edward IV and the Lancastrian king Henry VII claimed to be descended from Cadwallader, and therefore the fulfillment of the prophecy. Cadwallader was the last native British ruler to launch a major offensive against the Anglo-Saxons, even if it did fail. So his reign is the logical place to end our history. If the central government still existed, it must have fallen with him, although there actually is no evidence for its existence after the death of Run 100 years earlier. The rest of the fall of the Britons can be summarized quickly. Reged fell to Northumbria sometime before the year 730. This may have been achieved peacefully, as there was at least one recorded dynastic marriage between a princess of Reged and a prince of Northumbria. Devon was conquered by Wessex circa 700, with Cornwall surviving until the 930s. Strathclyde was annexed by Scotland in 889, but continued as a sub-kingdom until 1058. Wales was conquered by England's King Edward I in 1282. By that time, the petty lords of the Welsh were no longer calling themselves kings. Since Gwynedd was the most significant of the Welsh realms, its rulers claimed the title of Prince of Wales. Llewellyn the Last was the final ruler of Gwynedd to bear that title, before it was appropriated by the English king and bestowed upon his son and heir, a practice that continues to this day. We must now examine the reasons for the ultimate defeat of the Britons. Obviously, their failure to drive out the Anglo-Saxons in the early stages, when the enemy were the most vulnerable, was a key factor. Even so, the Anglo-Saxons were confined to the southeast and might have gotten no further if it were not for the events of the 6th century. 
The plague of Justinian in the 540s certainly weakened the Britons, but not the Anglo-Saxons. This was coupled with political weakness as the nobles put their own petty feuds and ambitions ahead of the good of the people, which led to the deaths of the heroes Urien and his son Owain. There was also a problem common with monarchic societies. Nobles were snobs who viewed commoners as barely human. This is even mirrored in the linguistics. The word villain originally meant any commoner who worked at a villa, the landed estates of the ancient Romans. From there it came to mean any commoner at all, and then bad guy because nobles viewed commoners as inherently criminal. The Britons outnumbered the Anglo-Saxons by a large margin. If the rulers of the Britons had cultivated the support of the commoners, they could have presented themselves as liberators and utilized this numerical advantage instead of relying exclusively on the warrior class. This idea is not far-fetched. In the 5th century, a number of different groups vied for control of Gaul. The Franks and the Visigoths were the two main groups. Clovis became ruler of the Franks in 481. He cultivated the support of the local population. The locals saw themselves as Romans. The Western Roman Empire had fallen, but Clovis declared himself to be a loyal vassal of the Eastern Roman Emperor, who gave him the title of consul and a purple rope. Religion also played a role as the Visigoths followed a branch of Christianity called Arianism and oppressed the Catholics, who made up the majority of the population. Clovis converted to Catholicism. He also ordered his warriors not to pillage. By these methods, he was able to present the Franks as liberators. The historical sources do not give details, but they do indicate that popular support was a significant factor in the ultimate Frankish victory. The rulers of the Britons could easily have done the same kind of thing. However, their snobbery prevented this. Of the 14 monarchs examined in this series, only two, Arthur and Cadwallader, had reputations for caring about the people. So the Britons lost because they were divided not only along political lines, but also along class lines. The failure of the Britons to bridge these divisions caused Celtic Britain to be replaced by Anglo-Saxon England. This has been Holistic History, The Fall of Celtic Britain. I am Jim Frost. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you stay safe.